We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand. Just understand my pockets that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. You see, they told me I'm the one that's gonna benefit. Never been a before we continue with this episode, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Abel, Ben, Christopher, Derek, Jerry, Jordan, Mike, Nick, and Thomas. Thank you all for your contributions to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. For as little as $5 a month, you can support the growth of the show. Like I said last time, I know a lot of you guys. You guys spend money on way worse. So help the boy, help the show, and let's keep this growing. My guest now is a fellow podcaster and also a badass because you do fitness competitions, Christina, a WBFF fitness pro. I didn't know what WBFF stood for. Can you tell the people what it stands for? Well, thank you for that intro. I like being considered a badass. That was kind of cool. But um, WBFF is a world of beauty, fitness, and fashion. So it is really comparable to normal traditional fitness competitions like the IFBB and PC federations. However, they kind of mix it in with a little bit of a modeling aspect to it. So it's like a beauty pageant meets a fitness competition. Best way to describe it. That's how, how much different is it from just like your average, like Mr. or Mrs. Olympia competitions? We have an entire separate segment of the show that is completely separate from your just normal poses. And when you go on stage and so you show your physique, depending on what division you're in, you'll come out in either an evening gown or you'll come out in theme wear, depending on what division you're in. And that is the runway fashion modeling aspect of it. So there are also different things that you're judged on other than just your physique that you're bringing into the competition. And it's a lot more glam. Um, it almost feels like you're going to a gala when you're going to these events. They're very glitzy and glamorous. So it's it's a little bit more than just your normal average. I don't want to say average, but it's different than your regular fitness competition. Yeah. If, if uh, people that are listening to this, I had a friend of mine back home. Shout out to Brianna. She was... She did beauty pageants also. And I used to do train Brazilian jiu-jitsu with her back at my old gym when I was back home. And she did beauty pageants, but not like yours. She did mm -hmm. like Miss America. She won Miss New York, went on to compete at Miss America. How different is what you do from what she does? So with the straight beauty pageants, they don't have any physicality to it. They have 
you know, I, I'm not, I'm not even that familiar with just straight beauty pageants, but they ask you questions. They'll have you walk in your swimsuit. They'll have you walk in your evening gown and yeah. maybe do a little Q and A in front of the audience. So it's specifically about your poise, your presentation, your overall physical package. But when it comes to fitness competitions, you're judged on how well you fit your category, whether it's bikini, fitness, figure, physique, depending on like what federation you're in. So you are judged specifically how you're meeting your class. And now that you're tying it into the WBFF, you're also tied into your character, your personality, how well you can sell on an audience, your marketability. So everything has a little bit of different things on the score sheet. And now when you get into things like IFBB and NPC, which is your traditional Mr. and Mrs. Olympia, you go on stage and you present your package and your individual routine to show off your, your portions on your body, your symmetry, your muscularity, um, your development, your conditioning. But then you'll also get lined up in those categories and compared. Um, you don't really have much flexibility, whereas in the WBFF, you kind of have a little bit more room to create your own. How much preparation goes into a competition like this? Because I feel like it's completely different from other pageants. It really depends. Um, it depends on how conditioned you are and how ready you are to compete. But a traditional prep, I would say, is about 16 weeks. 12 weeks is really pushing it, pushing it. But the longer the prep, in reality, the better outcome you're going to have because you have more time to prepare yourself. You have more time to set yourself up for success because if you think about it, if you're starting to cut down and slim down and shed body fat at about 12 weeks out, you've had to have built up something to sustain before that. Because if you just start cutting out of nowhere, you're, you might not be left with much. So you have to have that build process. So that's why they say an off season is so important because you really have to set yourself up for that cut to be, you know, substantial. Damn, 16 weeks? Yeah, it's a lot. Fuck. Yeah, it's it seems lot. like it too. And then what's your diet like? It really, man, it really depends, but it's a lot of the same things. It's a lot of lean proteins, um, carbs like rice, oats, potatoes. Um, Are you weighing your food? Yes. Damn. And that's, that's the thing too, is like, you can definitely get by on intuitively eating when you know what you're doing. But when it comes to a contest prep, you really have to dial it in. That's the whole process of it. There's a science behind exactly every single thing you're putting into your diet. And your coach takes that, that into account every single week. You'll most likely check in with your coach at the end of every week to evaluate your progress. And based on your progress, that's when the adjustments will come in. And slowly but surely during that cut, your carbs and your fats will get lower and lower and lower. Usually your protein stays around the same, but there's no cookie cutter plan for everybody for a diet down cut phase. It's really dependent on who this particular competitor is. And how strict is it? Like, are you allowed to just go crazy and get pizza and beer one weekend or is that just going to alter everything? Oh, it's definitely no alcohol. Alcohol really slows down your metabolism and it's really just empty calories as I'm sure we all know about it. So it doesn't have anything good that it will do for you except dehydrate you or cause you bloating. But depending on the preps, like last year, I didn't really get any, but the year before I almost had a cheat meal every single weekend. It was usually a burger and fries or it was sushi. Um, I stayed away from pizza because it didn't really have any protein to it. And excess dairy can sometimes make you bloated. So even your cheat meals, you got to factor in mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe I should have one that has some protein. I mean, considering that you want it to be valuable. 
You don't want it just to be empty. I mean, pizza will definitely still fill you up, but if I'm really trying to make this the most of what it should be, I'm going to factor into protein into every single one of my meals. Um, And so my coach would normally recommend what to have, or he would say, have a thousand extra calories on Saturday. But these cheat meals were purposeful. They weren't just random. I feel like I need it or I feel like I'm extra hungry. They were like, you're you're looking leaner. Let's fill you back up. And so that cheat meal will actually work in your favor. Damn. So you're like depleting, depleting, depleting. So when you put something back into your body, like a burger, it actually fills up your muscles um, and just makes you feel better overall and look better. I never knew that it was calculated like that. I just always assumed that it was something that you needed for your sanity. I mean, yes, me, but if you talk to my coach, he could break it down for you to exactly why there's specific foods that are implemented into cheat meals, why the timing of it is purposeful, um, why there are certain days that he would do that. And even in, even leading into peak week, there are certain times in the days where he'd be like, I want you to have 50 grams of oats before you go to bed tonight, or I want you to have another cheat meal the night before you go on stage. But it's all dependent on how my body's coming in. So it's very specific. and. I give up all like power because I, I know I can coach myself in an off season. I know what I need to eat for myself. But when it gets that scientific, your coach is literally telling you exactly what to do. And so you just need to listen because they're looking at you from a completely different standpoint than you're looking at yourself. Right. It's the same thing with fighters when they go into a fight mm-hmm. camp. Like a lot of them, they'll stay, you know, when they're not training for a fight and they're not in camp, they'll still be active. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of their off season. And I do air quotes because they don't really have an off season and they never know what a next fight would come. So if you're, if you're someone that fights at like 155 pounds, you'll probably walk around around 175, 180. You can't balloon up to like North of 200. Cause then maybe a fight comes about and all of a sudden you have this miserable weight cut that you got to go through. Yeah. So it's very similar in that sense where they have nutritionists and a dietitian that tells them, all right, you know, you can have, you can, I'm a pizza guy. So you can have like a slice of pizza this weekend. They'll ration it. <laughs> yeah. But they'll factor that into the whole like cutting system. Yeah. Too. And it's important too, because and I've experienced this the hard way because you do rebound really hard after things like this. So you really do have to take into account that your body is in a little bit of shock from going through all of this. So what you do after this huge cut down is going to affect you. And that's why they say reverse dieting is so important to get back to a place of maintenance where you can actually maintain that. But if you just go ham right after being so depleted, your body's going to hold on to all of that really, really fast. There's a certain amount of time that it might make you look better and fill you back up to being normal. But after that, your body's going to hold on to that extra body fat really hard. And it's really hard to get it off. So it's just as important in the off season to properly reverse yourself back into a state of maintenance so that nothing bad happens to your body and your hormones. You know, there's, so, there's so, especially for women, there's so many things that play a factor into this dieting down process into making it a healthy, you know, a healthy plan for yourself. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between what a fighter goes through and and what someone like you goes through in the sense of how you deplete your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to you got to make sure that you don't do it too bad where it completely takes away from your performance when you do go up mm-hmm. on stage. Like sometimes you'll see these fighters, they'll go through a terrible weight cut and they'll be on the scale and they'll be shaking. Yeah. And you're like, "How are you going to go fight in 24 hours?" It's yeah. terrible. But that also goes into a miscalculation along the way. Maybe they were too heavy coming into camp. Maybe there's they, so many factors. There's so many factors. And just because you do a cut or you do a competition right the first time doesn't mean that it's always going to be that simple yeah. or Oh my gosh, sweet. my last one was a bust. Completely. Not. A, I don't want to say it was completely a bust, but you just there's so many factors, like you said, that can play into 
your um, your final package. Mine was stress. I was so stressed out my last prep. I was overworking. My sleep schedule was off. There were so many things that were affecting my cortisol levels and my body just was not happy. And it did, it did not come in the way it should have. And during peak week, I got really inflamed. I had a lot of water retention, more so than normal, even with the water cut. Um, I had a lot of digestion issues and I had been eating all of the same things. So it was just really random. This was my fourth show. And it happened to me at Worlds, which is our Olympia. So it was really, it felt very defeating. It felt very frustrating after going through, you know, four or five months of prep to be like, man, I looked better four weeks ago and I don't know what happened. But, you know, when you take into consideration all the little factors that play into it, it's just part of the, it's just part of the thing. It's part of the game, but it can be very frustrating. Yeah. It seems like it would be frustrating when you're not peaking when you're, when you're supposed to. Yeah. You do all of that prep for one day, for one day, for one moment, one fight. If it's a fighter, one stage presentation for us as, you know, bikini fitness competitors. And if you don't feel like you came in like you should have, it is gut-wrenching. Yeah. It's interesting because like I always say how whenever people weigh in for fights, it's kind of sanctioned cheating in a way because when you're fighting at 170, you really weigh 170 for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And then after that, you're ballooning back to, you know, you're putting it on the right way. After those weigh-ins. Yeah. They go eat, they go rehydrate, they do all that stuff. So you're not really 170. That's why when you see fighters walk into the cage, after they weigh in on Friday, when they walk into the cage on a Saturday, sometimes we'll look at these guys or girls and be like, how the hell did they make 170? How the hell mm-hmm. did they make 185? These, this dude looks massive compared to that. And yeah. it's it's kind of sanctioned cheating. And that also goes back to your point, how it can't be good for you long-term. No, and it's not. I mean, there's there's definitely a way of doing it and making sure that your body is taken care of. I can't say that everybody takes care of their bodies during these preps, but I will say that I did join the WBFF because I feel like the bodies are healthier. I feel like they're more full. I don't feel like I have to get as depleted as somebody who competes in the IFBB. And I personally feel like the look the WBFF has is maintainable nearly year round. Not like your stage presentation, but like your overall maintenance. You still look healthy, nice and toned year round. Like my four week out body is maintainable year round without me feeling like I'm unhealthy. And I feel like, The girls who I see, because, you know, everything every year gets harder and harder. The guys are getting bigger. The girls are getting leaner. There's so much that's changing. But just from my experience and what I've seen, I don't like the painful diet down process that I've had to see my NPC and IFBB friends go through. I don't feel like I want to get that lean ever. And it just seems so miserable. So I feel like I've had a more enjoyable flexible time in the WBFF because that's the kind of body I find appealing. And that's why I chose it specifically was because I like how they look. Mm. So, but I will say that there is a healthy way to diet down and reverse, but if you just diet down and don't reverse and go right back into eating a bunch of crap, your hormones are going to be all out of control. You will put on that body weight. And if you continue yo-yoing like that all year long, it isn't good for you. It isn't good to cut it out and then put it back in. No, It's like somebody who goes on a crash diet, who's you know, say somebody has to lose like 50 pounds and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to do a juice cleanse and do like some fad, fad not to say that juice cleansing is bad or that cleansing is bad because it's not. I have the reason why I just got triggered now because I had a friend of mine who never worked out like legit. Christina did not work out all year long. And then whenever we would book a vacation, 
like three weeks it was out. Cleanse. He was he's like, oh, I'm gonna do a juice cleanse. It's like, bro, that's not what do you think? You're just gonna get a six pack now out of he nowhere. He might feel doing less that? bloated before he goes on vacation, but once he goes on that vacation and starts having all that beer, liquor, and food, he's gonna get so bloated. It's and then you're gonna worse. be bloated on vacation. Yeah. And the other thing that I think that people don't understand, even lifestyle clients, is when you restrict calories that much and you don't know what your maintenance is and you just cut things out, you get what's called like skinny fat because you, your muscles lose, like they get flat. So you actually don't look your best. Um, the key to looking your best is to having it become a lifestyle where you have something that's maintainable year round. So you never have to go crash course for something. You know what I mean? And that, and that, that's not to say that you need to diet hardcore year round, but you need to have some sort of stability so that if a vacation's coming up, you're like, you know what? I can probably lean up in four weeks by just like getting in some extra cardio and cutting down my carbs a little bit. Nothing where it has to be so all or nothing where it's like, I'm not eating any carbs or I'm not doing this or I'm going to do two hours in the Stairmaster every day. It shouldn't have to be like that, but that also comes with making it a complete lifestyle change for some people. So I think that's why it's it's hard. Yeah, it's exactly what you said, lifestyle. Because for, for me, I I eat relatively clean. Weekends, I go a little crazy just because of what I said before about like the sanity thing. Balance. Like if, if I was if I was just eating just grilled chicken and salmon and greens all the time, I'd lose my mind. Most people will. Yeah. But that's the beauty of like what an off season is when you're not in a contest prep for a competitor. I have flexible weekends. I just kind of intuitively look at what I'm eating and I understand where my calories are coming from. So I know where to stop. You know what I mean? Like I went and had a burger on the weekend, but then I'm like, okay, maybe I can probably cut that, that rice out of my meal for the next one because I went and added some French fries or I added that hamburger bun. So like I'm looking at where my carbs are coming from because not that they're bad carbs, but I'm also in an excess amount. And if I'm not already in a deficit, now I put myself in a surplus and that yo-yo, if for, if somebody's trying to lose weight, it's it's going to keep you not losing weight. So it really just depends on what your goals are. But if you're kind of happy with where you're at, that I love that balance of being like, I'm really regimented during the week. And then on the weekends, I give myself some more freedom. That is like, I feel like that's pretty normal. Yeah, it should be. It should be, right? But I I I feel like people don't know what normal is and they don't know where to have boundaries during the week. So that typically doesn't work for a lot of people when they have goals they're trying to hit with their fat loss journeys because they don't understand the importance of like how much protein, fats, and carbs we're putting into their diet every single week. Well, also for me, when I was, when I was really working out and, and like, I was trying to lose weight for the longest time, people would see me working out and they're like, dude, you should be in way better shape. Like that was the thing my whole life growing up. With how hard you were working out? Yeah. Like I was doing like a lot, like for someone that I didn't compete, I wasn't playing sports anymore. Just like the way I was, I was running every day. It was a point where I was running like 20 miles a week. It might've been too much stress, to be honest. Hmm. I've been too much stress in your body because there is such a thing as like, overworking your body yeah, and doing too much, not getting enough recovery. And if you have too much stress in your body, your body sometimes holds on to water and holds that water retention because it's stressed and it holds on to that inflammation. So, I mean, there's, there's a possibility that doing too much sometimes also. It could have been that. It could have been that. It also didn't help that Friday nights, Saturday nights and Sundays, I was just throwing back a lot of beer and See, just and like quesadillas <laughs> and Big Macs and shit. So the, like how we were talking about the balance for me, Monday through Friday was perfect. My egg whites, my oatmeal, a lot of greens, a lot of grilled chicken, a lot of grilled food. And on the weekends, it was, ah, oh, I'm going to cheat on the weekend. 
And then as I got older, it was like, all right, you can have a cheat meal, but not don't a have cheat a day. not a whole cheat day mm-hmm. or a cheat weekend. And then that's yeah. when I finally started seeing like some sort of results. Yeah. We got to be realistic as we get older too. Like our bodies don't respond the same. And as much as you can think that you're in like, let's say a deficit or maintenance calories during the week, if you're going ham on the weekends, you're throwing your whole week into a surplus. Oh, I would get so frustrated when, you know, I'll go and, and, and this happens recently too, where I, I love the UFC and I love the NFL, right? So when there's a weekend that has both, like in the fall and winter time, it's brutal for me. Cause it's like, all right, I work out so hard throughout the week. And then Saturday night, well, I'll have some beer Saturday night. I'll have pizza. We'll go out to watch the fights. Well, then Sunday I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. And then I wake up Monday morning and I'm going to the gym and I'm like, damn, dude, I just pissed away everything I did last week. So much for that running, so much for the lifting, so much of that jujitsu. Like I feel like shit because I just pissed it all away. Yeah. You have to, you have to find your balance for sure. How do you, you do something that is heavily scrutinized by social media in the sense of your, your body and what you do can be open for criticism. Yeah. I see the eye roll. And I know we had, we had a similar conversation on your show, which if you guys haven't checked out, I was on Christina's show, Fearless as Fuck on her podcast. We, we touched on some really fun topics, but social media for me, I say this all the time. And I think we might've touched on it on, on your show. It's a, it's a gift and a curse. It's such a, it I, is, it I is a gift it. and a curse. I love it because all of this is because of social media. At the, and that's why I try my best to never put too much negativity tied to it, even though I can like discuss the downfalls of it, but I would not be in a place to help others. I would not be in a place to share anything. You would not be sitting here at one of the most beautiful hotels in Las Vegas if it wasn't for social media and us being able to jump on a podcast and reach thousands of people. So there is good things that come right. from social and that, media. And that's why I say it's a gift and a curse because I don't want to completely dump on it because that wouldn't be, I'd be a hypocrite too. Cause mm-hmm. like all my content is on there. Like you said, how I got discovered, how anything is happening is because of social media. But also there is a balance that I'm still trying to figure out because I used to post and ghost, right? But now it's, well, you need to interact with the comments for the algorithms and you need to do this and that. And, interact with your fans or the people that are commenting on your post because then more people will see it. Mm-hmm. That's what kills me now. It's work. Yeah, it becomes work. It's a lot work. of work. <laughs> and, and I was having this conversation with one of the hosts here at, at the studio. He just started his own podcast and he was saying how he, he loved social media before it became an obligation. Because mm. now through one company and another, it's, well, now you need to post X amount of times. He's like, damn, dude, it was never like that in the past. I used to love to just go on there and death scroll and just yeah. you know, kill a couple hours. Now, now when you have to, it becomes more of a job. Yeah. How do you balance your relationship with social media? It's a, it's a, I usually mm-hmm. don't have a lot of set questions for guests. I'm a big vibe and energy guy and mm-hmm. I like to feed off them like that. But this is one that I'm fascinated with that answer because of what my answer is. Oh God, it's so interesting. Um, I've always... I had this like idea in my head. I forget when it came, when I was struggling with social media and I needed to work on my creation versus consumption ratio. 
Because I like this. I had to come to terms with the fact that social media is part of my job now. It's not just mindless scrolling. It's not something that I'm just going on for entertainment purposes. And the thing is, it's great for entertainment, but you can get really lost in it. Like how many times have you potentially, I know somebody listening has gotten on TikTok and gone down oh. a rabbit hole and all of a sudden been on TikTok for like an hour and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Where it's, did my time go? What did I just do? It's a, It's been about two to three weeks now where I don't bring my phone into my bedroom. It's because so helpful. I went after I did a, I did a two a day. I did a 10 a.m. and a 6 p.m. jujitsu. And I was, and I lifted in between it and I was shot. Take a shower. I don't even eat dinner. I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm going to go to bed. I get in bed at like 8.15. I'm scrolling. And then I look up. And it's 1030. I'm like, and then I can't fall asleep. Yeah. You're so overstimulated. Think yeah. about how many different things you're scrolling through. Oh, like hundreds. A betting post, a, pe- a post about a dog, a post about the news, a post about something that's happening out of the country. You are getting so much information and then some funny video. Like it's just so erratic and all over the place. And we wonder why we are overstimulated. So the best thing to do is not put yourself into that position right before you go to bed to be consuming all of this. There's no reason to. So you really have to set boundaries for yourself. And this was a really hard thing for me because I also get inspired by things I see on social media. So, um, you know, giving yourself boundaries with that is really important and making sure for me, because now social media is part of what I do for a living. It's, it's, it's crucial for your brand. It's not just fun. It's, it's work. I, and that was frustrating for a while but I had to really change the pers- I had to have that perspective shift if I in, if I wanted to be successful. So I get to do social media. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. I get to create content. I wake up and I get to have a podcast. Like you really have to kind of change the verbiage on how you are seeing what you're doing to inspire you to understand that it's a gift of what we get to do because there's plenty of people who would love to do what we do. So I had to tell myself that it's a privilege to be able to have the platform I do and now look at it as a gift. But I had to make sure that I was creating more than I was consuming. Create more content than the other people's content that I'm consuming. And it was less stressful for me because you can also get caught up in that loop of comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing, which can then make you potentially make you potentially make you think less of yourself. Oh, 100%. That's when when I was down at my worst was probably like around 2018. How much TikTok were you consuming? It was a <laughs> lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of social media for sure. And it was also the, what was I at 20, 2018? I was 27, 28, like around there. And just looking at my peers mm-hmm. and, you know, whether they were in my field or they weren't, whether I graduated with them or just like my homies in the neighborhood. Oh, you know, they're in a relationship, they're married, they're having kids. Or Like, why am I not? Yeah. Why don't I have this? So it was like the the personal life was like hitting me really low. And then, well, how come my content isn't as big as so-and-so's or why isn't this picking up steam? And it was all comparisons. Yeah. And And you subconsciously do it without even realizing you want to. I think anyone that says that they don't is full of shit. They're full of shit. I'm yeah. sorry. You you do. You might, and you might not want to admit that, but you subconsciously are absorbing that because you can't tell me you can't scroll past somebody and be like, well, why'd they do that? Or like, why why haven't I been that far along? A hundred percent. And it's also when people say that, oh, I don't give a fuck what people think. Yes, it's like, you do. You do. You definitely do. Like yes, I, do. I do when it comes to my content. You like should, the people that- You should care. Yeah. You should care. About Especially people. the people that consume the content. I want it to be good. I want them to be happy with it. If I do some like whack shit, I want my audience 
that listens to me on a consistent basis. And there's a fine line between- There's a between, difference though. I think you're probably going to say what I'm yeah, wanting like to say. Yeah, like a troll and then someone that genuinely cares. Yes, because you do want people to care. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. You do want people to care about what you're posting and you should care about what they think, but not the hater, not the one who's like looking at your stuff, judging you. You don't need to care about what they think about you, but the people that you're creating content for, you should care what they think. You should care how they're absorbing your content because what are you doing it for? You're doing it for other people, aren't you? I mean, you should yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. Before we continue with the rest of the show, big ups to our sponsor, Alpha Book Bet alphabookbet.com. Alphabook is the sponsor of the show. Go over to alphabookbet.com right now and use the promo code VM50 and receive a $50 bonus on your $100 deposit. Not only do you get a $50 bonus, Alphabook is going to match your deposit. So when you go and deposit $100 using the promo code VM50, you're going to get $50 for the promo code and they're going to match your $100. $100 turns into $150 in bonus money using the promo code VM50. What is better than that? What is better than that? Alphabookbet.com is the number one sports book for UFC and martial arts. And you guys know how we get down with the UFC. Let's dive into this card this weekend. And this one is a really fun fight night card fight nights can be a little bit underwhelming sometimes but when you're looking at it there's a lot of fights that are probably not going to see the judges and you guys know we love some of those fights but let's start at the top vicente luque coming in as an underdog against rda dos años two guys that have been staples of the 170 division for a very, very long time. Luque forever in my mind, the number four guy in the world at 170. He has all the tools standing up and on the ground. And then when you look at RDA, guy's been in there. I mean, RDA's resume. RDA's resume is bananas. Like you want to talk about anytime, any place, anybody. We got to give this guy his flowers. He's been in there with Faziv, Moicano, Paul Felder, Kiesa, Leon Edwards, Kevin Lee, Kamaru Usman, Robbie Lawler, Tony Ferguson, Eddie Alvarez, Cerrone, Nate Diaz, Benson Henderson, like Habib. Like this guy, man, first ballot Hall of Famer. If not, it'll be criminal. But let's get back to the, we'll talk about that another time. But with this, with this main event, you have Vicente Luque. Last time we saw him, he got knocked out by, um, was it, Je it was Jeff Neal knocked him out. And look, it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight to come back to. This is also one of the best nicknames in the sport, the silent assassin. The silent assassin. Um, he's coming off back-to-back -back losses. And I don't want to say it's a, it's a loser leaves town match by any means, but, you know, he got knocked out about a year ago, almost a year to the date. August 6th of 2022 was the last time that we saw him. He got knocked out. It was the first time that he's been stopped in his career. And then prior to that, he lost a unanimous decision to Bilal Muhammad. But he was on a little bit of a win streak with a win over Michael Chiesa by Darce Choke. Tyron Woodley by Darce Choke. You know what it is, man. The Darce Choke is my favorite choke. And then he had a couple of wins over Nico Price and Randy Brown. So he was on a little bit of a hot streak. So he wants to get back on the right side. And I think he does. 
I think that Vicente Luque being the underdog is a mistake. He's a two to one dog right now on Alpha Book. And if you go over there, that is my favorite bet of the weekend, just on the money line. When this fight got announced, I was a little bit confused. Why? And then I was shocked to see the line on this one. Uh, I think Vicente Luque wins. I think Vicente Luque gets a stoppage. But for the time being, he's one of my favorite fighters to bet on because he's also a guy that will fight for your money. I know I've used that analogy in the past. But Vicente Luque at 2-1, to one, I think it's a mistake. And I'm going to go ahead and bet that right now as we're live on the show. So you'll have some receipts to be able to check that out. And then as I look at the rest of the card, like I said, you have like Cub Swanson is on here. You got Francis Marshall coming off a, a questionable, questionable loss, I believe. Um, his last time out. I remember I was at the Apex and I didn't think Francis Marshall lost. Um, but, you know, when you leave things to the hands of the judges, especially nowadays, you get some questionable decisions. So he's back on the card too. And I think the other fight that I'm looking at that's super interesting is Khalil Roundtree going up against Chris Dalkis. Now, this fight is going to be at 205. And what's interesting is that Chris Dawkins is coming off being a heavyweight, now coming down to 205. He was a little bit of an undersized heavyweight, but it's a tough fight for him. Khalil Roundtree is a, you know, he's a top 15 guy. Fights out of my gym here in Las Vegas, so I'll definitely be rooting for him. He's the number 13 guy in the lightweight division. Eight wins by knockout, 12 and five overall, six of them in the first round. And then Dawkins, on the flip side, is a guy who, when he loses, he loses pretty ugly. What I mean by that is he gets stopped, gets brutally finished. I'm looking at the under on this fight, and I'm also looking at Khalil Roundtree to get his hand raised. I really like Khalil Roundtree. I'll even say that I like Khalil Roundtree by knockout. Like we said, Chris Dawkins is a guy who, when he gets stopped, he gets stopped violently like against Curtis Blades, against Derek Lewis. It's not a good matchup for him to drop down in the weight. So I like Khalil Roundtree to go ahead and get a stoppage. I like the under on this fight as well. You get Roundtree at 1.46. So a $100 on Khalil Roundtree returns $146. I went away, went ahead and bet that right now. And I think a, a money line parlay of Roundtree and Vicente Luque, as I am putting that right now, a total return of $293 on a $100 wager over at alphabookbet.com. And remember, if you use the promo code VM50 when depositing $100 on alphabookbet.com, you will get $150 in bonus money to play with on top of your 100 that you deposit. I mean, come on, y'all. What's better than that? What's better than that? All right. Now, back to the rest of the show. Oh, you need this extension and that extension. Yes. So when I pivoted over to Premiere, it was like learning a new language. And I'm nowhere near as good on Premiere as I am on Final Cut. But again, anything I don't know how to do, it's how to do this on Premiere, how to add captions on Premiere. Yeah, that's what I did for everything. Literally everything. Literally everything. Even to the point where when I opened up Final Cut Pro for the first time, I was like, I don't even know how to make a simple cut. 
And so I literally just typed it into YouTube, how to splice, how to, you know, cut the end off of a clip. Like I typed it in so basic, like, like, like final cut for dummies style and every single thing came up. So you can teach yourself a lot of things. And I really don't want to call people lazy, but we are so lazy as a society. Oh, I can't do it. I don't know how to do that. I could never do something like you. Yes, you could. You absolutely could. But it's going to take a lot of practice and you're going to have to work and you're going to have to like grow some balls to be honest and like, you know, do it. But we're all so, society is so soft now and they want their hand held through everything. And it's not going to, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) It's one of my favorite interactions on a weekly basis when I get someone that messages me or even a, a friend back home in a playful way. I'll be like, yo, I could do what you do. And I'm like, yeah, you could, but you won't because this is what you got to do. You got to go and take the initiative of going to a YouTube, going to Google, even asking someone else, be like, hey, man, I don't know what this thing is. Can you help me? Like, show me what it is that I got to learn how to do. And you have to risk putting yourself out there. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people will not do either. It's hard. I'm not going to lie, especially when it comes to like something personal. Like My podcast is a lot of personal things and not just mine, but my guests as well. We're sharing personal experiences, things that we've been through. People will rip you to shreds rip you to shreds on the internet. And then, and then also what you do for a living with the, with the fitness competitions, your body is being open to be criticized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the amount of times I have to hear, like you look like a man when it gets close to like competition times is insane. And it's, it's really because I feel like people think that that's what all of these girls look like year round or when we're getting down to peak week and we look really depleted. Um, and we're showing more muscle than a normal female because we've lost body fat, but all of a sudden we look like men. And it's just a, it's just a funny, it's just a funny thing. Cause I'll start posting those videos and you'll get your like red pill guys like going in on the internet and, you know, just saying things like women, like you are overrated and you're never going to find a man trying to be a man and all this crap. I'm just like, I'm literally wearing a rhinestone bikini and I like look completely feminine. Like I don't take these like crazy drugs, like make my voice lower or like make me grow an Adam's apple or like, you know, I I don't, nothing's physically changing about me to make me look masculine other than the fact that you can see my shoulder caps, you can see my abs, but it's just, it's just funny that people will really rip you up because it makes them uncomfortable. And that's what I had to realize. If you make someone uncomfortable, that's not a you problem. That's a them problem. And so that's how you can kind of like get rid of that. Yeah, it's it's weird because like the the interactions that I get from people that are negative, I would say, would always be when I slander their team in mm-hmm. one way or another. Like there was recently on Twitter, I had posted something about the Detroit Lions because they had gotten on this show called Hard Knocks, which is like a deep dive in the summer in the preseason. They'll do a deep dive and kind of follow the team around. And I had tweeted something like, yo, there's nothing cool about the Detroit Lions. Like ever. They've never been cool. Like, why would you do a and documentary? People just go in on you people for it. Going in. They're like, oh, you still feel that way? Because they finally had a good season, even though their entire franchise is known for their two best players just retiring early because they didn't want to play for them anymore. Like, that's how shitty their their team has been for so long. But the interactions that I'll get will be like, I'll have someone genuinely ask me, like, yo, what do you think about what do you think about the Kansas City Chiefs? And I'll tell them. And it We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And if they're a Chiefs fan and it's a negative, they're like, ah, you don't know shit, bro. You don't even know what you're talking about. It's like, well, you just asked me how I feel yeah, about it. But it's just, only when you praise them. arguments on the internet. Right, right. But it's only when you praise them mm-hmm. that, they, that they love it. Right. Yeah. Like I get, I get so much shit when I slander like the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause I'm a New York Giants fan. So those are the two teams that I hate the most. But when I do praise them, people are like, what happened to you? It's like, mm-hmm. bro, I'm giving you like, I take away the fandom as best I can. Yeah. Like I hate Philadelphia more than any team in my whole life. But last year I picked them to go to the Super Bowl and I picked them to win their division. And I was a pro Philadelphia Eagles guy. Like, why can't, why can't both be true? Yeah. And that as far as like physicality with like fitness competitors, I can handle someone maybe having an opinion on like, maybe it wasn't, you know, like, oh, you need more shoulder development. Okay, cool. Maybe I do. But it's, it's when it gets like personal digs. That's when I'm like, that's like not necessary. It's not necessary. Yeah. They just got too much time on their hands. That's the thing. I, and that's what I have to remind myself. I'm like, I would never, plus I don't have the time. I would never sit on the internet and go off on people's photos and videos that I don't even know and like take personal jabs at them or, you know, talk shit for no reason. I just, I don't have the time for that. So if there's someone really doing that to your content, it's like, why are you even taking it so seriously? Yeah, if I mean, there's they been, don't matter. Yeah. There's been so many times that I'll scroll on someone's social media and I'll look at it and I'll be like, that's dumb as shit, but I won't mm-hmm. write it. Like no. just mentally, I'm like, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was really stupid what they did or what they posted, whatever. And I'm sure it's like that when I post things. Well, yeah, too. You, just, you, have to, you know, you're opening yourself up to criticism by putting yourself on a platform. Yeah. End of story. For sure. For sure. I want to go back to the fitness competition stuff. Mm-hmm. How, Give me a day in the life of you say eight weeks out. How long are you in the gym? How often are you working out? Eight weeks out. I'm strength training five days a week. I'm doing cardio six days a week. I'm probably doing about mm, 20 to 30 minutes of cardio. And then my gym session will probably be, probably be about like an hour. And then I probably have like another half an hour of posing. So I'm probably in the gym about two hours a day. You're posing for a half Mm -hmm. hour? So that's like a real thing you gotta do? Oh yeah. If you, you could have an incredible physique and totally fuck it all up if you can't pose. Because you are showcasing yourself, right? On stage. If you don't know how to- Hit the angles. Hit the angles, accentuate parts of your body that need to be accentuated or have that stage presence. Somebody with a less- like a somebody who does not have as great of a physique as you might beat you because of their presentation. Yo, 30 minutes of posing. I never would have guessed. And it's honestly, I feel like posing is one of the hardest parts because if you enjoy working out, which I do, I can follow the instructions. I can, I, I know what to do in the gym and yes, it's physically taxing, 
but having to hold those poses and to practice your transitions, walk in heels, put that routine together. That to me is sometimes just as hard. And now imagine you're a week out and you're depleted and you're running through these poses for hours. It's, it's tough. And I know people listening are like, oh my gosh, it sounds so hard. And they're kind of like making fun of it because it sounds, oh, you have to put on heels and pose. It must be so difficult. Your life is so hard. You have no fucking idea until you have to do this, how hard it is. <laughs> I was going through my phone just now because you said that you, you love working out. Mm-hmm. I do not. At all though? Like, do you, do you not enjoy any physicality at all? I don't enjoy the stresses on my body. I don't enjoy sweating profusely <laughs> on people. I don't like having to grunt to get the last rep in all of I hate all of it. I really mean this. So but ideally, I also, like, I'm going to, I'm going to post this picture too when the time comes and this episode <laughs> goes up, but this is what I look like at 26. It doesn't even look like you. Look how round I am. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't even have break. I got braces at 27. I was close to 250 pounds in this photo. And how much do you weigh now? I'm 195. And like, I look at shit like this and I used to, I used to have friends to this day. I got, I got a core group of friends that I've known for about 20 years, like my childhood friends. They would not beat around the bush. They'd be like, yo, bro, you got fat. You would tell it to your face. Yeah, yo, you got fat. That's a good friend though at the same time. Very good friend. Very good. Shout out to Josh and Ralph. They held (gasps) me down, but I needed, I'm someone that needs to hear that. You need somebody in your life that will tell it to you like it is when you're falling off. Yeah. Of course, for sure. Because they always look for my best interest. And you could tell, like, through the years, you could iron out, like, ah, you're kind of just a hater, bro. Like, people like that, I, I need them. So I look at photos like that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we can't, we can't slip up. I've been there. And I've had moments like and that that's as a well. Reason, that's the reason why, like, now I do, I went to jujitsu early in the morning. I'm going again tonight. I do that once a week. I'll do a double. And then I'm in the gym five to six days a week, either jujitsu or lifting. And then my off day is even something active. Like mm-hmm. I'll go for a walk. I tried running yesterday in the heat. Okay, I like no. 130. That's Whoa, that was dumb. That was really dumb. Ever yeah, made this yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went like halfway around the block and I was like, nah, fam, we're not doing it. Gotta go no, back in. Hell no. But for the most part, I only do it because I don't want to look like that again. Also, I mean, as we get older, the health benefits of working out are not just external, you know? So it sure. is important that you get your body moving, even if you hate it. I'd encourage people to find something that they love. Like if it's jujitsu or if it's, you know, you like going to a Pilates class, if you're so a girl ju- or just something physical. Jujitsu is, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, but you're getting your physical body moving. Yeah. It's, you know, you have to be strong for that. It's not like you can just go in and not have any core strength or any, any you know, you have to train for that. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely fun, but I, there are times where I'm like, man, this shit is whack. <laughs> <laughs> I hate doing it. I really do sometimes, but uh, it's the results that really keep me yeah. from like ever stopping. Yeah, well, I I think there are definitely different kinds of people like myself. I enjoy it. People like you who don't enjoy it, but either way, you're finding something that works for you, and you're kind of coming to an understanding that you have to do something. Oh yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think that's what like discipline is, right? It is. It's doing things when you don't want to do them. Yeah. That's pretty much People like. People ask me, how do you find the motivation all the time? And I'm like, I, I'm disciplined. Yeah. That's, that's when, when I don't, when I'm not motivated, I rely on the fact that I'm disciplined. Yeah. I live my life off these three words, get shit done. Maybe it, a plan as simple as that. It, 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 I, I truly feel as it is. Like I would describe my life that way. Like whether it's, 
doing a podcast, getting a workout in, um, literally anything, meal prepping, having to go shopping for something, like whatever it is, it's like, find the way, get shit done. Yeah. I actually came across um, a clip of Conor McGregor this morning. I wish I knew where it was on my phone. I'd pull it up, but he was being interviewed and it was something he was talking about that and like trying to find that discipline. He's like, I found myself saying, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go to bed at this time and then not doing it. Okay. I'm going to start eating healthy tomorrow and then not doing it. And you start losing your sense of self and your confidence in yourself when you keep telling yourself that you're going to do things and you don't do them. Because if you're doing that, what do you, what's the message you're sending to yourself? At the end of the day, you're showing yourself that you can't do things. And if you are sending that message to yourself, even with the small things, you're definitely not going to be able to accomplish the big things. So start with the small things. If you said you're going to go to bed at 8 p.m., you go to bed at 8 p.m. Even if you don't want to, you do it. And then that's one small step. The next morning, you did not skip breakfast because you told yourself you're not going to do it. And that's the second thing. You're like, wow, I'm actually, I'm starting to do the things. And then that increases your self-worth. That increases your self-value. That increases the ability for you to do more hard things and actually live up to your highest potential. Yeah. It's like when they say that you got to make your bed in the morning. Yeah. I don't. I just started to, you know, what's funny is there's some really very successful people who I know who don't do that. So like, I feel like that's a little. I do it (laughs) simply to troll because every video that I watch of any entrepreneur is like, yo, you got to make your bed or else you won't be a millionaire, do anything. So like at any point, unless I know for a fact someone's coming over, I'm not going to be an asshole. If I have friends coming over to watch the UFC or if I have anyone coming over, my bed is going to be made. But like right now it's not. I think the underlying (laughs) tone of that is what we were just talking about though. Because if some, if people are having a hard time getting regimented, getting a schedule, understand that they can do little things, they say like, start with something simple like that. Whether it's like, right. I, for instance, like I, ha- I used to have a really hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Like I would just snooze it. I'd get on my phone. I would do all this shit. And then before I knew it, I'd waste like three hours of my time. And I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start getting up to my alarm, even though I still struggle sometimes get up and just make your bed right away because I have less tendency to get back into bed when my bed was made. For me, that ideology worked really well because I'm like, oh, it's made. I'm prepared. Like in my head, I walk into my room and saw preparedness. Like I was like, I'm out of bed. My day has started. You are in, you're in work mode now. And then I got out of the habit. I went through a really bad phase a few months ago and I wasn't making my bed. I was sleeping on my couch every night. And I was just like, I was waking up just so disheveled And it was starting to take a toll on my mental health because I was feeling bad about myself. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling weird. I felt like I had failed a few things in my life. I was just kind of in that downward spiral because trust me, I'm not like at my prime all year round every year. It's, you know, you can see what I, what I preach online and what I like to be, but we all are human at the end of the day and we all have our downfalls. And there was a period of my life where I fell back into really bad habits and it was the simple things like falling asleep on my couch all the time, like not setting my alarms right, like not getting up when I should, forgetting to do my morning routine, which led to my whole day being fucked up. And that had a rollover effect onto every single area of my life, my friendships, relationships, my work, my my competitions, everything. And so if you want to get back on course after falling off, sometimes doing something simple like that might set you up for success to like fix things. Um, Definitely days I don't make my bed, but when I do, I'm like, I can't go back in there. Like I don't lay down, don't take a nap. Like, you know, just keep, keep going. So for me, that worked. Um, And I just started doing it again. So it's funny that you brought that up because I was in a funk or I was like not doing it for a while and I felt disheveled. (laughs) 
I totally agree with you because there's there's a lot to break down in what you were just saying because I had, if I don't work out in the morning, it alters my whole day. Mm, see, that's your thing. Either it's jujitsu or going to lift. And there was one time I was working here. I was in the control room and uh, I was with Brian, one of our engineers. And I was like, dude, I am so tired. I just, I got here at like 11, at like 11.15, I'm yawning. I was like, what the fuck? This never happens. He said, did you work out this morning? I was like, no, I didn't. He's like, that's why. I was like, dude, that's exactly why. Yeah. And it, it just set the tone for the day to just be like a lull. Right. When I wake up in the morning, one of the cool things that I do is I put my alarm on the other side of the house. So I'm I got so like, scared that I'm not going to wake up to it if I put it that far away. <laughs> dude, I am the lightest sleeper ever and I hate it. I like if you just wrong. go like that, I'll wake up and then I can't go back to bed. Mm. Like I need to be otherworldly exhausted for me to go back to bed. Yeah. But like on a day to day basis, for the most part, you just tap me like that. I'm up. So I'll get up. And once I'm up out of bed, it's like, all right, well, I can't go back. into. Yeah. So. Going back to what we were talking about before with aimlessly scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, having my phone away from me and not in bed, it's helping me fall asleep easier at night. And then in the morning, I get out of bed, bam, my day started. Yeah. As opposed to just reaching over, taking it and then scrolling. It's such a shitty way to start your day. And also, I, I... Damn, I wish I remember who I heard this from, but it was kind of like a Jay Shetty or Joe Dispenza type person. And they were mentioning that like, if you are jumping on your phone first thing in the day, you are immediately consuming what everyone else needs from you versus what you need to do for yourself to set yourself up for success. You're opening up your inbox and all of a sudden you have work emails coming in of what people need from you. You have your TikTok open and you're aimlessly scrolling through random content. You haven't even taken the time to adjust to being up, taken in some sunshine, like gotten a glass of water, like understood to like how to set yourself up personally to take on your day. You haven't even gotten to give back to yourself yet. And we all know that failing to give back to yourself, you can't do anything else very well. So that was, that was an easy way for me to like understand that too. Cause when I open my inbox and the first thing is like, oh, you need to complete this. Oh, your bill is due. And then some Instagram videos popping up, at like, you know, telling you that you're a failure if you don't make your bed in the morning and you're still in bed and you're like, oh my God, all this crap is in my head. I haven't even like taken a second to like understand that my day is starting. It's so true, especially for me coming here from the East Coast. A lot of my friends will hit the group chat or like my mom will call me in the morning. My dad will call me. Just anything from the East Coast. Yeah, they're already up and moving. They're already up and moving. And I just wake up. I wake up every morning at seven. It's 10 o'clock for them. They've already had that day going. And and immediately I'll grab my phone and it's like, oh shit, there's so much to do. It is overwhelming sometimes. Your cortisol immediately shoots up. So I, I, I mean, personally, I found that my best days start when I take that like half an hour, at least like half an hour to not engage with anything else except for me and my dogs. Like, cause they're obviously in my face, but like go outside, get some sunshine, get some fresh air, drink some water, maybe put on a podcast or something or like, just like music and just get your day started and like, let yourself settle into your day before you eat your breakfast or something before you jump on to absorbing what everybody else needs from you. There's a lot of cool tactics though. I think a lot of people could get People Some, will say they don't have time, but it might just require you waking up an hour earlier. Oh, I think that's the biggest crock of shit. When it people is. tell me when people tell me they don't have enough time to do something or or just in general, like, oh, I don't have time. It's like, mm, 
that your priorities are kind of a little fumbled. I do feel for people who are like new moms or have a lot of kids, that's very difficult. But carving out an hour for yourself out of your day is essential for you to becoming a better person for you and your family. So well, that's what I work with a lot of clients with. That's an extreme though. If you have kids, I get it. Yeah. But if you're your average person like me, you're in your like 20s, 30s, you don't have kids, you're just working, you're hustling. You have time to give yourself an hour. Like I guarantee you, if we looked at your screen time for your social media accounts, I could tell you where you could have an hour of time for yourself. What's your screen time like? I don't even look at it. Yeah. I don't look at it. Your eyes opened I, up. So I, I don't because I'm worried well. because I know most of my work is on my phone. Like yeah. I'm constantly on my phone. So it does worry me. Um, but as far as like scrolling, I'd say maybe like a half an hour. Like I definitely get on, like if I'm like eating lunch or something, I'll like get on my phone, but I've really tried to do what you do. And like when my day's over, I try and not be on it anymore. I'm not perfect. I definitely have my days where I'm just like annoyed and like want to distract myself and I'll get on it. But like ideally, if I could just be on it during times, like I'm eating and maybe randomly wanting to watch something or like at night I can scroll for a little bit and like check in on my friends and whatever. But I really try to just not do that. It's exhausting. I'm between four and five hours of screen time mm-hmm. daily. And it's about half of what it used to be. Oh my God. I'm scared to look at my, I feel like I should look at, no, I don't it look used at it. To be bad. <laughs> now look, I can say it's because of the content and I can say it's because it's my job. Fair. But there's also a good percentage of it, which is just BS. Yeah. Well, cause it's easy to get distracted. How many times do you open up your phone to do something work related on social media and then wind up scrolling on TikTok? Oh, and you're like, how the fuck did I get yeah, here? <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And especially during Sundays on the football season, mm-hmm. I'll be on my phone for north of 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. Like literally my whole day. Cause it's I'm on hard that- when you look at it like that too. Cause you're like, there's 24 hours in a day that literally took up half, like yeah. nearly half of my day. Yeah, cause you assume that you sleep for eight mm-hmm. and then you're up for 16 hours. And then that's 12 how, of it is on your that's phone. That's even more. Yeah. More than, more than half my day, I was on my phone. Ugh. But that's how all my Sundays are. And truthfully, mm-hmm. I wouldn't change it. But you know what you're doing. I, I think I'd be more worried if you were somebody who was just sitting in their like living room in the middle of the day doing nothing and just like- That's my Sunday. Scrolling <laughs> to distract yourself. But you're, no, this I is know, your yeah, day yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like you're watching things on your phone, looking at all the statistics and whatnot, but you're not just randomly scrolling TikTok. Yeah. Nah, for sure. It's just, it does feel pretty shitty when you look at it that way. Yeah, that's why I don't like to call myself out on it too much. (laughs) Yeah. I want to end the, I want to end this conversation with asking you a lovely female that you are about gym etiquette. Okay. Give me, give me what you think is proper gym etiquette. A girl like you is working out, you're on the squat rack or you're doing curls, whatever it might be. And a guy wants to approach you. I always like, people ask me this. I'm like, just don't make it weird. Like, don't make it weird. I know personally, like I don't like being approached in the gym. However, I am very into fitness and my industry. And I like to meet people who are in my industry and where am I going to meet them more than likely at the gym. So just don't make it weird. Like it doesn't always have to be an approach and like you hitting on someone right away. Like take it as like normal life. Like the best way to get to know somebody is to make a friend, introduce yourself, whatever, but like, don't interrupt their set. Don't make them take off their headphones. Like just find a time where it doesn't seem awkward. If you really want to approach somebody in the gym. Um, I know there's people who are like, no, never approach anybody in the gym. And I, I, I think that's kind of bullshit too, but just, I think this also comes with like normal social skills. Like you know what I mean? This, yeah. is, this is like normal social skills that I feel like a lot of people lack because we are so 
on social media now that people don't know how to have like normal human interactions, but finding a way to make conversation or just introduce yourself, that's the best way to do it. And like, just let it happen. But approaching somebody in a gym, tapping them on the shoulder while they're in the middle of a set and then just starting to like talk with them, I would feel so uncomfortable because I feel like I would feel like I'm trapped. You know what I mean? Like, and now, and now we're in the same gym. Now we're working out. Now you hit on me. Now I, I may not have wanted to like, and now it's going to be awkward. Now it's awkward. So just like, I don't know. I, that's, it's so tough. I just don't make it weird. I feel like you've had an experience though. Um, I had a guy come up to me in a gym and this is another reason why I, I train at a lot of like bodybuilder type gyms, because I feel like this happens more at like the big box gyms. Um, people just really approaching me and I typically don't like it. Sometimes I have my camera with me, which can be weird and people are like staring, but I am filming content. So I try to go to smaller gyms where there's a lot more people doing the same thing. So it doesn't happen as often, but you still get the people who would just like stare. They just stare and make it really awkward. And just like, this is so weird. But I did have an older gentleman approach me at a gym once and like tap me while I'm, while I'm working out. I thought like maybe I was in his way or something. And he like goes like this and take out my headphones. And he's like, hi, are you from here? And I was like, I'm, I'm annoyed is what I am. <laughs> like, and I'm not trying to be a bitch, but just, I, this is where I come to it's decompress. It's a time place. Yeah, I yeah, get it. So just don't do that. And then later on, I saw him kind of like waiting for me and like kind of followed me out to the parking lot. And I'm like, this is not it. Don't do that. Damn. Yeah. But I can't front. There was one time that I got lost in looking at this one girl and she walked over to me. She's like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was working out and I just like, that's there. I was just staring at her. And like, I just like wandered off. She was phenomenal. And I was just looking at her and she came over and she's like, what the fuck are you looking at? I was like, I am so sorry. I was like, I don't even know what to say. We ended up becoming friends after that. But see, if you, if you were just like, you were really pretty and I got caught staring at you, I'm sorry. Like that. And like, just be normal. Yeah. I feel like that wouldn't make I it got weird. Rattled, you know yo, what I mean? She checked me. <laughs> she checked me. I didn't know what to do. I was like, damn, she just called my bluff. I asked somebody if they had a problem before because it was so uncomfortable, but he was like, he knew what he was doing. And I'm like, do you have a problem? Is there something you'd like to say to me? And he got all uncomfortable. And I'm like, why does it have to be like this? But this happens all the time. This could happen to me at the nightclub. This could happen to me walking in the grocery store. I mean, it's not just in the gym, but I think proper gym etiquette is just to know that people are in there for personal reasons as well and to decompress. And sometimes people don't want to get approached. So I would, oh man, it's tough because like you don't want to miss a connection. Like if you saw somebody, like I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again right. and I'd like to talk to them, find a normal way of approaching them like in between sets or just come over and introduce yourself, but just be mindful. Just be mindful. I think that's important. Yeah. Because I would still feel mindful. flattered if somebody came over to me and introduced themselves, but just don't be so aggressive. Like, like let it be something like normal and natural. Um, people aren't in a gym to, to like be on a dating app. They're in the gym to work on their bodies for personal growth. Sometimes people just want to put their headphones on and literally pretend that the world does not exist. So yeah, you just have to kind of them. read the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a big read the room guy too. I try my best not to, but also I think I think any success that I've ever had at a gym has been super casual and natural. Yeah. Like it's never been interrupting anyone. Again, I don't like being there either. Yeah. So I'm very like, yeah. When I would even see my friends when I was back home, I would barely just, you know, peace, yeah. head up, nod. It's like, man, you guys know I don't like, I don't want to chit chat. We talk mm -hmm. all the time in a group chat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. I just want to get in and out and just move on. Yeah. So I guess I, I, since I'm that way, I'm sure there's people that way too. Oh yeah, for sure. So I feel as if 
I don't know, kind of just be casual with it, but don't, don't, don't do what I do and just like best stare at someone. Yeah, just also- like- <laughs> hey man, it happens. You know what I'm saying? It happens sometimes. <laughs> Did it, it hasn't happened since. Cause I learned my lesson. So there's always the one. There's always the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she altered my uh, trajectory in, in gym etiquette for sure. Uh, Christina, this was a good time. I appreciate the conversation. I want you to let people know about your podcast, where they can find you on social media and anything else you want to promote. Awesome. Um, we, I said we, um, I have Fearless as Fuck the podcast. It is hosted at Sticky Paws Studios. Um, we drop an episode a week, but you can find it on Instagram at Fearless AF the podcast. Um, we cover a lot of topics, but we bring on a lot of people who want to share their stories from you know, pain to power that have been through some not so favorable situations, but have taken the time to utilize it for their greater good and help other people and, you know, take a negative into a positive. So it's really uplifting. Um, but you can find that on Instagram. And also I am taking one-on-one mentorship clients. So people who are struggling with diet training, even their mindset, their, str- their like daily, day-to-day struggles. Um, there's a bit of life coaching I do with my clients. So for anyone interested, I am open to one-on-one clients currently. I'll be sure to have all her information in the description of the episode in the bio. As far as I go, it's at Nick Day is 10 on all social media outlets, veteransminimum.com for all things VM, and we'll catch you guys next time. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat a venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed.